Dracula. I am Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Hart, to my heart. Come Our first award goes to the vampires for most blood drained in a single evening. The strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. The sun is going down, and you know what that means. It's time for me to record another episode of my podcast, The Beautiful Dead. As always, I am your host, Lena Nazari. Go to lenanazari.com to see links to my social media. Uh, reach out to me, or you can just email me. That's lena at lenanazari.com. You can join my fanged family and get all the updates. Uh, my fanged family already knows the title of my third book. That's right. You guys are finding out after them because you didn't join my fanged family. So go join it. If you have and you haven't gotten an email from me, that's probably because you didn't verify your email address. So go check your junk mail. You can join my street team. Those are the people who get swag from me because they are out there talking about me, the podcast, my appearances, and my books, and I just love them so much. So go join my street team. We're having a blast. Listen, it has been a week for me. Um, 20 minutes after the last episode dropped, so 20 minutes after the vampire-inspired murders episode dropped <clears throat> at 12:20 a.m. on October the 9th I finished the third book I typed the end I I found myself being inspired and when that happens you have to ride that wave and I sat for hours finishing the book I slept for about six hours, got back up, came back downstairs, reread what I had written to be sure that was how I wanted to end this series. And then I ordered my editor's copy to send off to my lovely editor, Jeremy. And uh, it's happening. It's really happening. I'll tell you, mixed feelings. I, I'm, I am happy to have this third book done because everybody has been asking for it. I'm happy to put Kate's story away for a little while and put the spotlight on some other people, but I'm also sad to say goodbye. Uh, there's something magical about this world, and I will definitely go back to it soon, but um, it was time to say goodbye. I actually had not solidified the title until I ended the book, and then I went with my gut. I had talked to Jeremy and Logan about it, and we had we had um, come up with with many options, but this is the one I felt the best about. And the more I said it aloud, and the more I let it connect with the story that I had written, the more I knew it was the correct title. But that's not the only thing that's happened this week. Um, I had to come to a difficult decision. 
I had two options in front of me. I could uh, take a step back and try to find a traditional publisher for the three books, which would have postponed getting the third book out substantially. Or I could continue to self-publish, get that third book out, then take the series to shop around for traditional publishers. That would get it out quicker. However, self-publishing means that the initial publishing package is on me. So as you guys know, the first book was published because of a Kickstarter. Um, that was a learning process, both the Kickstarter and the publishing. Uh, and then any copies I had to order for cons or to send out were on my dime. And then obviously the second book being published was on my dime, as well as any copies I buy to take to cons, uh, the cost of going to cons, the hotels, all of that stuff. So I'm tapped. I am tapped. And I left the hospital so I took a pay cut. So I have decided, and you're the first ones hearing this, to do a Kickstarter to get the third book published. It, it will help me get that third book out for you guys quickly in, in a good fashion. I want to stay with Publish because uh, we have our ups and downs, but I love the product they put out. So I would like to stay with them, but it is not cheap. So I'm going to do a Kickstarter. It is going to launch October 31st, of course, and I'm going to have it run until November 30th. And if successful, that will get the publish working on the third book by December 1st, which means we could have it out by the end of Jan January if everything goes well. So there will be more coming out about the Kickstarter. I hope that all of you go check it out. Obviously, I'm not just asking for you to give me money. You get a bunch of things in exchange. So go check that out as soon as it goes live. Of course, you guys will be the first to know. Um, but yes, that's 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 the plan. I, I wrestled about it. I, I hadn't slept in a couple nights trying to figure out what to do. But I think that is what I need to do. And you know what, if the Kickstarter's not successful, then I'm back to square one trying to figure out what to do. But I feel good about this. And um, I'm going to put you guys out of your misery. If you are not part of my Fanged family and you have not yet heard, then you are the second group to hear because I have yet to announce it on social media. The third book, The End of Kate's Story for Now, is called Undead Consequence. And that's it. And I, I just gave myself chills. Mm, I feel good about it. Undead Consequence. Hopefully will be out to you guys by the end of January. Please watch for the Kickstarter. Um, yeah, let's, you know what, let's just, let's just move on. It's been a, it's been a week for me. I'm just going to say that a lot has happened. It's a bit of a whirlwind and you know what? It's only the beginning, but this is just the magic of publishing. So we're going to continue our spooky season series. And today we're talking about my love, my one and only, Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi is the reason I'm here today. I'm very excited to talk about him. I did a lot of research. I didn't want this to be very long, and I wanted it to be very about him. 
Um, and I wanted to make sure it was accurate. So I did a lot of research. So not far from the Carpathian Mountains and the home of Count Dracula on October 20th, so it's almost his birthday, of 1882 in Lugos, Hungary, Bella Ferenc Dezo Blasgo would be welcomed into the lives of a Roman Catholic baker and his wife. He was the youngest of four children. And you know what, Bella? He was the youngest. He was the baby. And you know what? He was not super into school. He did not want to do homework. He really wasn't into learning. He wanted to act, much to the frustration of his father. Um, and he would only make it to 12 before he said, that's it. I'm out. I cannot do this. I have to be me. I have to like follow my calling. And he dropped out of school, left home, worked a series of manual labor jobs and pursued his dream. At 20, Bella would tread the boards for the first time. And a year later, he would take the last name Lugosi in honor of his birthplace. Bella would perform in local plays, operettas, even Shakespeare. Uh, until 1911 when he moved to Budapest, you know, big city. And he joined with the National Theater. But it was uh, 1914 and 1916 that would bring a different role to Bella, and that is soldier for the Austro-Hungarian Army. Now, actors were exempt from service, but Bella volunteered. He eventually rose through the ranks to lieutenant and was even awarded a medal for wounds sustained on the Russian front line. After his time in the army, Bella was right back to acting and then added film actor to his resume with Hungarian silent films. And he would become a husband for the first time in 1917 when he married his first wife, Ayana. However... Bella was more than just a pretty face. He was also an activist. And at the end of World War I, Bella would be part of the revolution and stand for what he felt was right. But his activism would come at a price, a price that had to be paid after a 1919 government upheaval when he would have to flee his homeland. He went to Vienna before ending in Germany and continued his work in silent films. Germany, unfortunately, is also where his wife would leave him to return home and file for divorce. But Bella wasn't long for Germany. In 1920, at six foot one and 180 pounds, he worked as a crewman on a merchant ship and then made his way to New Orleans just in time for the year to end. And by March of 1921, Bella made it to the perfect place for an immigrant actor that's right, the Big Apple, New York City. And once he was there, he found a Hungarian colony and would form a small company of actors who traveled the East Coast performing for immigrant audiences. But Bella was very determined, and he did land his first English Broadway play that happened in 1922, and it was called The Red Poppy. Several more roles would follow him, and he would even get a five-month run, which for an actor, not too shabby. Having both theater and film experience, Bella's first American film role was in 1923 in The Silent Command. 
In the midst of this, Bella would wed and divorce his second wife, also called Ayana, which is very convenient if you've already personalized some stuff. You can just pull it back out. Um, but the marriage only lasted three years. She would actually cite infidelity as the reason. Uh, and being an actress herself, she reported that Bella wanted her to quit her career to care for him in the house. Now, you have to wonder what was going on, on the, in the mind of this actor in the summer of 1927. Was, was he happy in his career and thinking, hey, I'm just waiting for my big role? Was he miserable and frustrated and thinking about maybe giving up? I, I would just love to know what was going on in his brain right before he was approached to play the titular character in a new Broadway play based on a horror novel. I don't know what was happening in his brain or if he knew what was about to happen to him, but I do know Bella took the role, donned that cape, and played Dracula on stage, and the history of film and vampires alike was changed forever. The play would be a massive hit. It ran in New York for an impressive 261 performances before starting to tour. Fans and critics loved it. And I had to think about this as an actress. 261 performances. Wow. Then the tour takes him to California for its West Coast run. Well, Bella decided Cali was the place for him and he decided to stay. So he handed the part off to another, but not before being noticed by Fox, who did sign Bella and then cast him in a silent film. But the parts weren't always flying into his lap. And in 1929, Bella would actually return to the stage version of Dracula when it came back to the West Coast while also marrying and divorcing his third wife, Beatrice, in a matter of four months. Now, she also stated that he was unfaithful, which if that's true, like four months, Bella, you couldn't, you couldn't just be faithful for four months. Anywho, all of this while also campaigning to get the part when Dracula was being made into a movie, because can you believe it? He was not the first choice for the role when Universal got their hands on the rights. He wasn't even the second choice. Three actors would take the part of Dracula only to leave it, leave it for various reasons before they finally gave it to Bella, which blows my mind. Do you ever see things where you're like, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example, uh, like Luke Skywalker could it could have just been played by somebody else, you know, like these huge, massive roles. Imagine Forrest Gump not being played by Tom Hanks by being played. I mean, just the idea that that Bella Lugosi might not have been our first Dracula. I, I can't even wrap my brain around that. And can you guess what he was paid for the part? Thirty five hundred dollars. <laughs> I don't know what that was in 1929. Uh, I should have looked it up. Um, you know what? I'm going to pause this and I'm going to look it up right now. Okay, the magic of podcasting. I looked it up. So $3,500 in 1929 now is about $60,619. $60,000. So think about like how many actors are getting millions for a role right now. 
Um, Bella got 60000 for this, this, the equivalent of 60000 And you know what? They're still making money off of him, which is a shame. After years of playing the role, it was not only second nature to him, but Bella would even do his own makeup, much to the chagrin of the makeup artist. The success of the movie would catapult Bella into the spotlight. To this day, his version of Dracula is the one that others compare their own performances to or draw inspiration from. The lines in the movie with the accent are still repeated and immediately recognized. Even if you're not a horror fan, you can hear the line spoken with the accent and know exactly who it is. And I want to quote his son here because I could not have said it better. In 1931, most people were not aware of vampire lore. It was horrific to think of vampires walking among us, drinking the blood of their victims, turning them into the undead. People were just learning about the characteristics of the vampire that have become cliché today. They're avoiding the sunlight and only coming out at night. Their ability to transform into bats and wolves, casting no reflection in a mirror, repulsed by the crucifix and by garlic, and most importantly, that a vampire could be destroyed by putting a wooden stake through its heart. All of that changed when in 1931, the unknown nobleman uttered his menacing welcome to film. The pauses and intonation, the graceful and slow hand, the aristocratic bearing, the formal white tie, coat, and tails, and the raised collar cape now define what everyone sees in his or her mind as Dracula, Bela Lugosi's Dracula. He was the first film personification of dark evil. In 1931, Dracula film made Bela Lugosi a horror film star and one of the most copied characters in cinema history. His face and the character are now indistinguishable. Bela Lugosi sculpted our imagination of how a film vampire should look and behave. His influence extends to every subsequent film vampire. His slicked hair and widow's peak clean-shaven, handsome face, burning eyes, heavy accent, and courtly manner are the appearance of what Dracula will be forever. He is Dracula. As Hollywood goes, of course, there were rumors surrounding Bella, the biggest one being the feud between he and Boris Karloff. Now, when Lon Chaney passed away in 1930, an opportunity arose the chance to be the new Hollywood horror star. So in 1931, when Dracula and Frankenstein both opened and were successes, both Karloff and Lugosi were poised for stardom. They would actually go on to do five movies together. So is it true? Did they hate each other? Well, sources close to both say the same thing. It was just a way to sell tickets. The gossip was started and then flamed, likely in an attempt to get audiences to the theaters. Now, Karloff admits that at first Lugosi seemed mistrustful of him, believing that the Englishman would try and upstage him, but that Lugosi did get to be the hero in The Black Cat, with Karloff relegated to the bad guy. 
Everyone states that the men were always cordial, respectful, and professional to each other. Bella may have had some resentment for the fact that Boris was always given top billing and was able to break out of horror and do quote-unquote better than him, but he never really showed it. And Bella was very famous in his own right. But the fame would come with a downside. Everyone saw him as a villain. And a vast majority of Bella's roles would be in horror films as the bad guy. And while his thick accent was part of his success, it also limited what he could play. You know, I, when I read this, I had to think of like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger is, in a, is a fabulous actor, but his build and his accent really hurt him for a very long time. And it was the same thing for Bella. For decades, he would play these similar parts. And in 1951, he would even say in an interview, now I am the boogeyman. We have to remember, of course, that Bella was a man, not a monster. The years of black and white horror films brought both ups and downs for him off camera. Now in 1931, Bella would become a U.S. citizen and he would remain in this country until death. I have to imagine that was very exciting. And in 1933, he married his fourth wife, Lillian. She was 29 years younger than his 51. And in 1938, Bella would become a daddy to his son, Bella George Lugosi. Unfortunately, because of injuries during his time in the military, Bella would suffer with great pain. And even more unfortunately, doctors would start prescribing him opioids. And Bella would develop a very unhealthy reliance on morphine and methadone and also become a very heavy drinker. And then in 1953, he and Lillian would divorce. And according to his son, this was a trauma to Bella that he would never fully recover from. Not long before the final nail in the coffin of his marriage, Bella would meet Ed Wood, a young writer and director. And in 1953, Wood wrote a stage show for Bella called The Bella Lugosi Review, which ran in Vegas. Then later, Bella would be in a few films for Wood, like The Bride of the Monster and Plan 9 from Outer Space. But in between the two, he would actually choose to commit himself for help with an addiction to Demerol. And then love would come one more time when in the hospital working on his recovery, a girl who was 37 years younger than him and a big fan would write him letters of support. And then they would marry when he came out of the hospital. Now Bella's son to this day claims that Ed Wood took advantage of his father, his declining health, and the fact that he needed to take any work he could. Wood denies this. Unfortunately, in 1956, on August 16th, at the age of 73, Bella would die in his sleep from a heart attack. Plan 9 from Outer Space was still filming, and if you go watch it, you will see the scenes that were filmed with a stand-in. He is taller, thinner, and covers the lower half of his face with a cape. Many mourned the actor that changed our perception of vampires forever, and many rumors surrounded his death, 
A false one is that Bella died clutching one of Ed Wood's scripts. But the big one is that he requested to be buried in his Dracula cape, full costume along with his Dracula ring. Well, yes, he was buried that way. It was in fact his son who felt that this is what Bella would have wanted. In 1979, a post-punk band in the UK would release a song called Bella Lugosi's Dead, and it is widely considered to be the song that started the genre we now call goth rock. In 1994, Martin Landau would win an Oscar for his betrayal, betrayal, portrayal, I'm not even going to edit that, for his portrayal of Bella in the Ed Wood movie. It's funny that I slipped and said betrayal instead of portrayal because Bella's son reports that the performance was nothing like his father and did not honor the man. It's hard to believe, but last year was 90 years since Bella would charm and fear audiences alike as the Count. I've said before on this podcast that Bella's portrayal was the one that changed vampires from nightmare creatures to the things that we wouldn't kick out of our bed. He was the beginning of the sexy vampires that we all know and love today. He made Dracula sensual, graceful, chivalrous, and full of a deadly charm that would have you happily walking right into your own demise. And then in 1986, a little girl would see her first horror movie, Bella Lugosi as Dracula. It would change her forever, and decades later, she would write her own vampire novels and host the podcast you are listening to now. She will eternally be grateful to Bella for the fearlessness in his performance. While doing this research, I clicked on BellaLugosi.com, a site run by his son, and was able to read about Bella as a dad and a man. His son said, The things that gave dad great happiness were being around his family and friends, having good conversation, reading a script, and enjoying good food, wine, music, and dancing. He especially loved to listen to Hungarian gypsy music and to discuss current events with his Hungarian friends. He told me, I assume tongue-in-cheek, that although he conversed in English, he did still do his most important thinking in Hungarian and then translated. Dad liked to go to the mountains or to his home in Lake Elsinore. There he visited, whenever possible, the nearby Glen Ivy Hot Springs Baths. We did discuss his work, but not often. He showed me how he prepared scripts and practiced his characterizations. A sore point was that his roles were not varied and that this was a waste of his talent. And I can't think of a better way to end this podcast than with that, with knowing about Bella as a man and not just the actor who played Dracula. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I really enjoyed it. I always wanted to know more about him. Um, it, it's, it hit me differently, I think, because I'm older now and I have children and I too, you know, work so hard on bringing my dreams to life and know how frustrating it is to have one thing or another stand in your way. 
So I just felt some real empathy and a connection to Bella as I was doing this research. And of course, I've always, I've always loved him. And I just really wanted to honor him with this episode by really talking about him as a person and introducing you guys to him without making it a lecture or a history lesson or boring or, you know, not mean anything to you at all. I really just wanted you to know him as the man. And for those of you who have made it to the end, next week we're going to go to the other side of this coin and the whole episode will be about Dracula. That's right, I'm doing a Dracula episode. Even saying it out loud, uh, I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed, but I am ready to take it on. I'm ready to sink my teeth into this episode and do it justice. I think if anyone will, it shall be me. I cannot thank you enough for all of your support, all your encouragement, especially when I announced that the book was done. Um, stay tuned for more updates on the Kickstarter, when it's going to go live. Uh, be please feel free to ask me whatever question you want to. I'm going to be completely transparent with my plans and um, what I plan to do on whatever I raise if it is successful. So please feel free to reach out to me. Um, tell your friends and family and co-workers and other vampire fans all about it. If anyone's going to jump on board, now is the time because when the third book comes out, you can just read one, two, three quickly and not have to wait and get to know all about Kate. And then of course we'll be moving on to Reese's story. All right, I'm calling it an evening. I have a lot to do before the sun comes up. So I wish you wicked hugs and bloody kisses. Good evening.